Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Don't Call It a Book Club. I am Luke. My name's Dan. And this is our first episode covering King Killer. And Dan, I'm going to say, since this is such a popular book, there might be a lot of first-time listeners on this episode. People that haven't been following along with us and start with King Killer. Yeah, absolutely. It's fairly new, too. I think King Killer is the most recent book that came out that we've covered i think it came out in 05 and so it's like we're mo- we're getting modern with this podcast you know <laughs> finally i'll take i'll take your word for it on that release date but that being said i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the first time listeners our rule and our one rule don't call it a book club <laughs> that's it that's it that's really it that's the only rule you can you can describe it as a as a book club to your friends you just just don't don't call it one right it's not a book club it's like a book club perfectly fine perfectly fine (laughs) dan no one is going to understand why we call it don't call it a book club and and i'm not going to tell them i don't even know myself to be honest (laughs) i will say there's one exception to that rule and that is yeah if if we get lebron james to sign a book and you get said book you can call it a book club. Yeah, absolutely. And first-time listeners will definitely understand all the references that you just made in that statement to previous episodes. I'm sure they'll just pick it up right away with what what the hell you're talking about. So, well, well, well I, I think it's obvious. <laughs> but okay, so what what we're gonna do is we like to do little segments before we get into the book. And I've got a good one today, Dan. I've got I've got a hot take. Uh huh. Yeah, you actually warned me about this ahead of time. So go ahead and go ahead and hit me with the hot take, Luke, and I'll. Be... But let me just let me just say this isn't some. When I say hot take, I don't mean like some not controversial controversial opinion. I mean this is a this is an incorrect opinion that might be offensive to some. And <laughs> I actually don't even know if it's it's. <laughs> but for new listeners, if you're offended by me, just. Don't turn it off. Just listen to Dan crush my argument, and then, and then we'll follow it up with King Killer. So, so, so stick with it. Setting the bar very low, Luke. I love it. So, this hot take is more of a rant, actually, and I just want to say, people need to shut up about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so, okay. So, first thing. I've never played D and D. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, maybe start with that. <laughs> I do. Okay, I do think it looks like it looks like fun. I think I would have a blast playing D and D. Like it seems right in my wheelhouse. So I have, I have nothing against it as a game. I think it's a very good way to connect with friends. I'll I'll probably play it sometime soon and get hooked on it. Um, <laughs> but the issue is, Dan. I can't say anything about fantasy or anything pertaining to quote unquote nerd culture without someone bringing up Dungeons and Dragons, including myself, because I remember right. we've talked a few times and I have brought up D&D classes to describe <laughs> certain characters in books. And you were like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And, and I'm I'm very much relying on you bringing back our listeners after this rant because I'm going to offend a lot of our listeners don't worry because i assume okay oh we'll be we'll be fine okay 
I, I, I told you about this. I made a post on Reddit asking people who they thought would be funny celebrities to talk about fantasy with, you know, kind of shadowing our, our desire to talk to LeBron James about Redwall. Every single comment was about Dungeons and Dragons. Literally every single one. I didn't even ask. Dungeons and Dragons was not in the question. Every single person was telling me about some celebrity that played Dungeons and Dragons. Here's another thing, Dan. The fact that a celebrity or anyone plays Dungeons and Dragons does not make them more likely to be cool. <laughs> okay? I would say I would say a vast majority of quote-unquote nerd community plays D&D. <laughs> but we... <laughs> But we still act like it's this uh, underground thing. Um, so, okay. So I, I feel like basically every time like a nerdy friend of mine tells me about, I don't know, a first date or something that they went on, they're always super excited because the other person, they learned that the other person they went on this date with plays D&D. <laughs> it's like, you put that you're a nerd in your profile. You were looking for people with a nerd in their profile. And every single person that likes to self-identify as a nerd plays D and D, so your odds were pretty fucking good to find a person that plays D and D. It's like, okay, okay, Dan, I've got I've got a good analogy for you. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time someone told you what Harry Potter house they got sorted into, uh-huh. and it was not Ravenclaw? Dan, <laughs> it's always Ravenclaw, especially for college students. So, like, if you were to ask a college student what house they're in, there's, I would say, I'd say there's a 5% chance that it's either Gryffindor or Slytherin. 80% chance that it's Ravenclaw. (laughs) And then, like, 15% chance that they're going to try to convince you that Hufflepuff is cool. (laughs) It's like, no, Margaret, you're a fucking squib. (laughs) Yeah, Luke, so you're obviously not a Ravenclaw because that added up to 105%. Good try. No, 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 no. The five percent was split between Gryffindor and, and uh, Slytherin. I see. But, but yeah, okay. It's, but so, like, I'm gonna make my own sorting quiz, and the first question is gonna be, "What house do you think you're in?" <laughs> and the options are gonna be like, "Not sure," Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and then like Hufflepuff and Proud. <laughs> Everyone that chooses Ravenclaw will immediately be redirected to Muggle. And everyone that says Hufflepuff and Proud is going to be a squib. And then we can finally sort everyone else out. But, Luke, the problem with that and the, the reason why everybody gets Ravenclaw is because only those people are taking the freaking quiz to figure out what sort, what, what house they're going to be in. You know, because nobody else cares, Luke. A Gryffindor, people who would be in Gryffindor aren't looking online to like analyze what house they would be in and do the like meta analysis and figure out what their stats would be. (laughs) They're playing like rugby with their friends. (laughs) That's a fair point. The point that I'm trying to make is just that at this point, everyone is wants to be cool. So they want to. So Ravenclaw is now the cool house because it's like originally everyone wanted to be in Gryffindor. So it's new and original in the same way, I would argue. <laughs> Let me complete this circle. You ready? Oh, yeah. In the same way 
that everyone that plays D&D and talks about it constantly thinks that it's this new and not very popular thing when in fact it's like this is it's this giant group of people yeah it's like you, it's 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 not this small thing anymore <laughs> yep so luke this gets at a larger a buff, this gets at a larger cultural thing that i think is happening right now where for the past like three years nerd has started becoming cool like actually cool not like dorky ostracized from society when you were growing up but you still played your game boy in the car on all those long road trips kind of dorky i mean like it's actually cool now like mainstream culture and society sees gaming and playing magic the gathering and stuff as starting to be like cool in a strange way and i think it has to do with the same reason why being a punk used to be cool but then everybody was a punk and it's like yeah okay that's not it's not cool anymore and we just haven't reached the point where we realize like oh everybody is a nerd everybody plays video games and everybody plays D. it's not really a useful identifier anymore it's just just what everybody does it's fun so people do it which i think is great i think it's super good that now we have this acceptance for things that are just fun and we don't have to be super self-conscious about the fact that we role play as a half-elf rogue who likes to slaughter orcs on the weekend that's totally fine and luke i just for my cred i i didn't change anything that's on my desk when we started recording this i'm gonna reach over within arm's reach and pull something into screen and you're just gonna tell the listeners what it is i'm gonna hold it up to the camera uh so it looks like a 20-sided dice yeah we call that a d20 luke a d20 okay that's called the d20 and that's your introduction to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I am I am very into Dungeons and Dragons. In the now, I haven't been playing it that long because yes, I am a poser and a bandwagoner. But I'm currently in three separate campaigns. <laughs> I think Dungeons and Dragons is phenomenal, phenomenal, Luke. Especially for people like I, I'm not going to speak for you, but for people like me, having a party where you just stand around and talk for several hours isn't my idea of an awesome time because if i don't either if i don't know the people super well or i'm just not feeling it in that moment it's just uncomfortable for two hours because i'm like crap i have to think of something to say so we're not just standing here staring at each other (sighs) so but if we're playing D&D, luke there is always something to do. If you're playing, you can play D&D for three hours with a group of people that you know, like, kind of well. And by the end of it, if everybody's into it, if everybody likes playing D&D, you're, like, super tight. And you have these dope adventures, and you don't have to constantly be thinking of small talk. You just, like, fight orcs and shit. It's, it's dope. It's very dope, Luke. And the fact that you haven't played it yeah oh boy but uh anyway the takeaway from this luke is uh don't knock it until you try it because oh oh for sure i mean i'm sure i would have a blast um 
and I, I, let me say, this might not have seemed like a hot take when I actually made the speech because I pulled some choice cuss words out. <laughs> um, here's, here's my, here's my controversial, uh, exit saying that you like Dungeons and Dragons is the same thing as saying you like sports in, in such that if you're, let's, let, let me use, let me use my date example. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you go on a date and this person is, I don't know, kind of like you guys are both quote unquote nerds, you know? Right. If you say, you know, I like D and D and they also like D and D everyone in this circumstance gets insanely excited yeah. and thinks that they're, they are like kindred spirits. That is the same thing as me going on a date in, in, in this hypothetical scenario and saying, I like sports. And the person I'm on a date with saying, I like sports and me being like, Oh, Oh my God. It sounds ridiculous. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like if you said in your profile, you like sports, they like sports and you said, I really like basketball. And they were like, holy shit, I love basketball too. Yeah. And then and then you're like, anytime you tell your friend that you're going on a date with this person, that's the first thing you say. Right. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm actually 100% on board with you here. I think there is, there is this sense that it is this taboo thing that we don't really talk about. And it's like kind of uncommon when everybody plays it. Like. If you're a nerd and you say you're a nerd, you at least don't have a bias against D&D. Like, it is perfectly safe to ask that person if they like D&D. And there's a very high likelihood that they will either be like, yeah, I love playing D&D, or no, but I really want to play D&D. Let's start up a campaign with some buddies. Right. Yeah. It is not, it is not the underground organization that it used to be. Absolutely. So, yeah, actually, Luke, you've, you've kind of convinced me with this. I say stop acting like D&D is all underground. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm going to say if I've convinced you, that means it's not a good hot take, I'm going to say. Oof. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think if I've convinced you, then I've failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Your, your hot takes are essentially the opposite of my theories. Right, yeah. Because the the last two hot takes that I've done have been the uh, the Game of Thrones TV series is better than the books, which was proved wrong, and that I, th- I think the other one was that Gandalf is the most useless character in the Fellowship. <laughs> Those are both hotter than this one, I, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> I th- yeah. This one's this one's uh, we're not going to say lukewarm because lukewarm is what we reserve for hot takes that have been down that you have then disagreed with, but. We're going to say that this is a, uh, what are we going to say this is? Like a second degree burn? This is not a third degree burn hot take. Yeah, that's fair. This is like a second degree. Okay, let's jump into the book. (laughs) So we are covering, we read The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, Mm -hmm. the first Kingkiller Chronicles book. I believe we are at chapter 17. So we've read through chapter 16. That is through the part where the Chandrian come in and massacre the troop, basically. 
Yeah, I so. I like how you avoided saying the main kind of storyteller's name just now. But Luke, we have to we have to come up with the name. We have to decide on a pronunciation of the name of basically the main character of this book. Well, okay. He's he there's a little section where he says how to pronounce it. Yeah. So how do you think he says how to pronounce it, Luke? <sighs> I'm not sure. Yep. I think it's either I'm gonna this, go Koth. See, I was with I was with Quothy. Quoth. Because Luke, this is my problem. He says so his name is spelled K-V-O-T-H-E. And he tries to clarify it with, it sounds like Q-U-O-T-H-E. And I read that and just thought, I, don't, I still don't know how to pronounce your name, dude. Yeah. It would, actually, yeah, this is, okay. If it was Koth, it would have been a K, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's definitely Qua. Quoth, maybe? No, because, okay, Quoth is a word, so we would have spelled Quoth. So are we going with Quoth? It it always sounds dumb to me. It always sounds like a bad name. <laughs> Actually, is it is it Quoth or Quoth the word? Quoth. It's Quoth, Quoth the Raven. Quoth the Raven, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It could, I mean, it could be Quothy. You know what? It's Quothy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I think we give the E a silent E at the end. Quoth. Just, okay, right, Quoth. just Quoth. Okay, I mean, that's... That's probably it. That's the that's the more realistic answer. Yeah, I mean, I wish it had been Kavathi or Kavath. That would have been fun. I actually, when I was first reading it, I thought it was a silent K. So that was both. Oh, Voth is very cool too. Right. Right. <laughs> okay, so we're going with Quoth. Yeah. Okay, Quoth. So, this is. This is Dan's first time reading this book. It is not mine. Once again. So, so right. So we'll be coming at it from that perspective. Um, Dan, any first impression? Well, for, okay. First off, what were your thoughts on the prologue? You know, the the almost poetic three silence prologue. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess it must have not left a huge impression. No, I remember it being really well written and like... Uh, great way to talk about setting the scene for the next few chapters that were coming about is very somber and like ominous right let me just say um <laughs> this book is often talked about by terms of or in terms of the way he writes as mm-hmm. him being a very good writer almost poetic in a way and let me preface this as saying we were both science majors <laughs> So I don't know if we're going to be focusing on that that much because I think everyone else does. I don't know if we will necessarily. Like, okay, for example, I don't know what prose means. <laughs> <laughs> I think every other person that has talked about this talks, brings up prose at some point. Uh huh. I probably won't. I don't know what it means. <laughs> you know what, Luke? That's a great point. Uh, we definitely won't be using any technical language to describe how well the book is written it'll be a lot of just this is really well written or right right so if you're looking for that totally totally good might look for a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> now luke something we are at at liberty to talk about uh is some of the science stuff in this book oh yeah ooh yeah so the first one i want to bring up is the fact that these demons 
have trouble handling iron. For some reason, iron is the weak point for a lot of these creatures. Way to pick the most common metal on Earth as your weakness, guys. <laughs> yeah, they messed up. That that stuff is everywhere. <laughs> like, like, okay, carbon is the most abundant. Well, okay, hydrogen, I think, is the most abundant element on Earth. Well, okay, let's be clear. I think they're talking, they're not talking about iron, the element. I don't think. Right, but they're talking about like an iron ingot, like a piece of iron. Right, right, right. Super, anybody could get a piece of iron. Right, they they should have made their uh, their weakness like gold or something. Right, especially if you're, okay, if you're a creature that's evolving, that's going through natural selection, the creatures that are vulnerable to iron going to die so quick because it's everywhere. <laughs> I can't believe we're we're getting into already a like evolutionary argument about the demons in the name of the wind. Okay, 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 okay. I understand if it's not the element iron, there's a little bit more leeway for these creatures. But at the same time, if if the scariest things in your world if their weakness is iron, which we've already seen everybody knows how to make, they shouldn't be that scary. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm there's a, say. there's there's that part where so there's not many details given about how poorly iron affects them. Right. But okay, so th- I think really so we have the part where they hold, hold up an iron coin or something to the the body of that little uh, spider guy mm-hmm. and it like cracks or something like that right so it seems like if you hit one of these guys when they're alive with a bar of iron they're out right they make them seem very dangerous right and let me just say i play softball not to brag i would be crushing these guys <laughs> right this is what i mean and in all the legends these guys it's in all the legends they say you kill them with iron so they know it's not even like a secret for how to kill these dangerous things. It's like, oh, yeah, just have a bar of iron with you. That's it. That's it. Well, I don't know. Maybe I w- I'm assuming there's more to it. Like <laughs> iron doesn't actually hurt them that badly. But yeah, there, I mean, there's definitely more to it. <laughs> but from what we've seen so far, I don't understand why these villagers are so terrified of demons that have a they don't like iron you can just hit them with an iron bar and they'll crack come on guys can get it together guys um (sighs) let me do a quick little summary sure we haven't gone through that much yet but so basically we opened with coat is his name outside of the story uh he's he's the innkeeper basically of this small out of the town or out of the way village mm-hmm. that ends up seeing these weird little spider demons come in and it's revealed kind of in weird ways or in, in subtle ways that only him coat and his student Bast, really know that coat is actually quote wait what do we just quote quote 
<laughs> and <laughs> who's apparently some like legend, legendary fighter slash magician slash I don't know whatever. And then he saves this this guy that's a traveler who ends up coming in and knows who he is. And he starts telling his story. Right. I had a couple little things at the beginning that I wrote down. I just wanted to say when he brings in that sword and puts it up on his wall. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds dope. (laughs) I would totally want a sword with a nice hanging. Okay. uh, Mounting board. Mounting Mm -hmm. board. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I would spend, but if there was like a little a little class, it was like eight weeks long, you learn how to blacksmith, you make your own sword at the end, I'm taking that class so I can hang up my sword in the wall. <laughs> I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> I actually had a huge issue with this. I had a huge issue with this and with coat in general. Okay. Because Luke... You would want to do that class and make a dope sword so you could hang it up and show it off, right? For sure. Quoth? Not trying to show off. Right, he's trying to hide. In fact, it's he's like going to so many extreme lengths to hide from people realizing who he actually is. And so and this sword sounds legendary. This sword sounds epically cool and he puts it up in his inn where everyone can see inn mind you that is like a traveler's stop where new people coming into town that's the place that they stay so nobody in town knows this guy except everybody who stops in the town has an opportunity to see the innkeeper and identify them and in the course of the first 16 chapters two different people identify him what get a new job dude <laughs> yeah he definitely didn't choose the right way to hide from people which i think i i think he definitely is consciously wants to hide i guess but i'm gonna say that there's a decent part of him that doesn't want to hide because like if this dude if he has done all that he says he's done and he's like, I don't know, 25 or something, which is kind of what it makes it seem like, there's no way he wants to be an innkeeper for the rest of his life. Yeah, but then like, what like, What are you doing? He's he's also set up to be this genius. So like, what? Why? Why any Maybe, of this? He might just be taking a, like a quick break from being dope and then coming back to it like uh sports reference here we go do you remember when michael jordan played baseball for a year i mean i don't remember it but i know that it happened right so michael jordan plays baseball for a year i think he wins three championships goes and plays baseball for a year comes back and then wins three more okay i think i think this is what's happening no (laughs) that's fair luke not at all it would be like if michael jordan it would be like if michael jordan played basketball won three won three championships and then went and played women's basketball 
And I only say that because nobody watches women's basketball. <laughs> I'm not saying that they shouldn't watch women's basketball. I'm saying that it's very poorly attended. Fair. Yeah. I would actually say, not to continue this analogy, it's like if Michael Jordan won three championships, mm-hmm. moved to Nebraska and became a janitor for two years and then came back to the NBA, or I'm assuming he's coming back. But yeah, that's basically the scale that this goes to. Right. My point stands. If this guy wanted to hide out, which it sounds like he consciously wants to do, there are way better. We wouldn't be reading a book about him. Luke? <laughs> good point. Yeah. He would be very good at hiding himself. Dye your hair, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he makes it sound like he did some really bad stuff. He's he's already said several times people called him the king killer. So he's probably killed the king at some point. <laughs> right. Probably not looked upon too highly, especially if he's hiding out right now. I just... Oh, yeah. One of the other ploys... I just ha- I have to point this out. One of the other ploys he uses to hide out from the, like, kind of scrub guy who notices him that he can just easily avoid. You wrote this down, too. He he says he took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> Did you write Skyrim down? I just wrote, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I think this... this pr- I'm pretty sure this came out before Skyrim. It did. But I really like the idea of it being a shout out to Skyrim. But yeah, I, I had, I for sure marked that down. Another thing that I'm going to move on to mm-hmm. is this is very, something that's very typical in fantasy novels where it takes place in some out of the way village or something. And some otherworldly or previously thought mithril or mythological thing comes out and the main character has to like convince or or someone has to convince people that demons or whatever are real which kind of happens in this case because they're you know they often say demons belong in stories or you know not in this village or whatever not in this book we're reading How easily would you be convinced of demons right now? Oh, almost, almost not. I see. I thought so. Yeah. When we, when we read these books, it's always like, oh, these guys are idiots. Of course there's demons. Well, (laughs) because in these books, they pull up a spider crab thing. Like the people in this, the people who experienced the demon, if I experienced a demon, Okay, they didn't they didn't experience a demon though. Okay, tell me this. Your uh your roommate comes home all cut up. Has this weird little or like giant spider guy and tries to convince you the demons are real. Uh well, okay, yeah, probably not. I probably still would be like, "Dude, you tripped and this is a paper mache spider crab." that you have constructed to convince me you you didn't just fall off a bird scooter on your way to work. See, this is my point. We would be the idiots in fantasy novels that are like, that's not true, and then get murdered. <laughs> yeah, but the reason why we would be those idiots, Luke, is, 
okay, if he came to me with a spider, you know what? I, I would take it to the university the next day and just bring it to the biology department and say, what is this? Because my friend thinks it's a demon. And they would say, no, that's a spider crab. <laughs> that's fair. Right? <laughs> that's like, a good point. Because they don't, like, they don't have this kind of analysis of their world, Luke. So if I didn't have this kind of analysis and somebody brought a spider crab to me and said it was a demon, I'd probably be like, yeah, that looks very much like a demon. <laughs> okay. Sure. I right. take your point. Because their their peak of analysis is they took it to the priest. That's what they did with this thing. <laughs> they would so quickly think it was a demon. Yeah, that's actually fair. Plus, you would think... I'm going the other way on this. Mm-hmm. If I was a little villager with nothing to do all day, I'd be so quick to believe in demons, actually. Because who wants to not believe in demons if you're... A, don't have anything to do it would make your world so much cooler like imagine if our world had demons that you could just form up an adventuring band and you'd go go slay demons all day long it'd be dope well let me tell you about this super sweet thing called D. Uh, i was hoping you would but but this is exactly why D is popular because in our world there's nothing that's that cool, right? Yeah, demons are scary, but they're also dope as hell, right? So do you believe in UFOs? <sighs> no, Luke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on to my, from my stupid, stupid comments. <laughs> so when the Chronicler shows up and... Th- Quoth does that stupid thing where he's like, where he says, hey, you need to be writing this down exactly as I say it. And I'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to focus on what happens. The Chronicler starts writing these series of squiggles and lines and Quoth figures out his language system really quickly. I'm going to like, that's not that difficult. I'm going to go. I don't know if this is a hot take. But they literally just correspond to different sounds. And so as soon as you figure that out, because when he's having this chronicler do this, he says a bunch of weird words and watches him as he's writing down these symbols. It's not that hard to figure out that the symbols are related to different sounds that you say. And once you know that, it's just he has a great memory. Sure. But I wouldn't say that this is indicative of a genius. But the chronicler looks at him like he is the most intelligent person he's ever met. Yeah, uh, I I think you're right. It's it's presented as this very clever and like almost code that's very hard to break. I do think it's still very impressive how quickly he did it. I mean, like I said, I think it's impressive. But if if I watched you, if I was trying to figure out how you did something like this, and I just said a bunch of nonsense words and watched you as I said these words, it probably wouldn't take me more than like a day. I'm like a pretty average person, a day to figure out what your code was like. This guy's a genius. If it took me a day, it should take him like, I don't know, like 30 seconds. It should take him no time at all. Let's do it. Dan does the math. It takes Dan one day. Divide that by 
24 for Coates and 24 times as smart as you. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. I guess it is pretty impressive. I don't think it takes take me like a day. 15 minutes. I think it'd take me like an hour. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if I had an hour and I could ask, I could just say whatever I wanted, watch you write stuff down, I think I could figure it out in an hour. <laughs> okay. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Because um, it's not in a different language either. It's in their common, well, kind of. It's not, well, it's not in a language. It's right. just in sounds. Right. And so, like, I just think it, it wouldn't be that, it wouldn't be that hard. I'm just not as impressed as I think the Chronicler is. And maybe you are. I'm just not as impressed. I, I just, uh, uh, since you brought it up, Chronicler says he can write this faster than, like, he can record this faster than a person can talk. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> No, you can't, because he he doesn't say he can write lines faster. Anyone can write lines faster than you can talk. He says he can record you faster than you can talk. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't you can't even record him as fast as he talks, because you have to wait for him to finish talking or finish each sound. Then you have to recognize what sound he made and draw a line. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I also thought this was a little bit BS when I was reading it. Because, yeah, there's absolutely no way. Both both of these guys are a little full of themselves, I'm going to say. There's, all right, That this is the other point I want to get to. They are so full of themselves. Because the little speech that Quoth gives to the Chronicler, where he says you can't change even a single word of the thing I'm about to tell you, because... Uh, I come from a long line of storytellers and every single word has vital importance. It's like, dude, come on. Are you kidding me? I get that. I, I get that you're smart and you're a genius, but you don't have to be a dick about it. Like you're just being a dick. <laughs> and he gets, he gets this like look in his eyes too, where he's like dead serious as he's staring at the Chronicle. And it's like, chill out, dude. For sure. Because when I talk, I do little pauses. I start saying a word and then change words. If we're following, uh, unless Quoth has... Okay, here's the thing. Maybe Quoth has already written this story out and has is just... He has it ready. Yeah, he definitely strikes me as the kind of person who has been preparing for this moment. Because he wasn't... You could tell he was like kind of excited to tell this guy his story. You know, he was like, it's going to take me a few days to prepare. Oh, can you hang out that long? Three. It's going to take uh, three days to prepare. Can you chill for? <laughs> oh, you can. And okay. Then, yeah. And then he kind of throws his weight around by being like, well, if it's not going to take three days, you're not going to get it. You know, he's going to say yes. It's like, really, dude, three days? <laughs> right uh so i i think you're right i think he has been preparing this story for a little while but down to the in down to the word it's a little rude i think yeah i can agree with that (sighs) yeah um so once we actually get into the story Mm -hmm. that he tells basically he's he starts off when he's i don't know eight years old or something and he's part of the edema edema rue yeah, I think that's right. I guess. Which are, I guess, just, I don't know, a race of people that are essentially traveling uh, 
traveling entertainers and very cocky about themselves also, (laughs) which I mean, I'm sure it's well-deserved because probably they're probably pretty pissed when there's little scrub caravans that go around and like play the flute or something. I could see it. I could see you being kind of frustrated with that. But Luke, I don't like how it's kind of racist. Because it's all based on the fact that they're of this race of people and this race of people are the best storytellers. Well, I I got the impression that it wasn't necessarily... I I said race a minute ago, but I got the impression that it was basically just anyone can be one of them as long as, I don't know, like the, the main thing about being one of them is that you... I don't know, do it for life or something like the, oh, yeah. his mom yeah, was not I was just thinking that. Yeah. So I don't think it's quite, I think they're more welcoming than that. Okay. <laughs> I get that's, that's a fair point. I had been reading it like it was this race of people. And I was like, I just kept thinking, you guys are kind of racist for saying you're the best storytellers out of every other group of people in existence. This is pretty rude, but Which I think granted right. this, this story is coming from Quoth, so maybe he's putting a uh, a prettier picture than it actually is. But um, so it it follows, I guess, them around and, and is basically they pick up this arcanist. Who? Uh, how are we saying Abanthi? Yeah, Abanthi sounds good. Abanth- Soft okay. A. They they pick up Aventhe, who's who's an arcanist, which basically just means a scientist slash magician. He's he's like a in all we've seen, he's like a level three wizard. Is that a is that a D and D reference? Yeah, he has a lot of cantrips, and he seems to have like a couple high level spells, but he very rarely uses them because he has very few spell slots. Oh my god, you're doing it. Okay, but okay. yes. <laughs> But uh, I don't really get what Abanthi's goal is here. I mean, I guess his main... Like, you would think an Arcanist would have... Especially, he seems like a pretty high-level Arcanist. Mm-hmm. Why is he just traveling the roads and then marries a... Uh, I don't know, a brewer or something? Yeah, she's the widow of a brewer. Right. Yeah, I... This story seems full of these kind of characters, actually. Like, Quoth is this character who is supposedly one of the smartest people in the land and, like, most capable people in the land, and he's just kind of hanging out. He's uh, Quoth's student seems to be super important, too, and he is just kind of hanging out. Uh, Abanthi super talented it sounds like and went to the university which where they train these people and it's just going from village to village trying to find work it's there are all these characters who seem super capable and yet they're having trouble finding gainful employment it's luke it sounds a lot like a lot of our friends after undergraduate (laughs) Like a, an arcanist degree is essentially a philosophy degree. <laughs> right. They're hyper qualified to work at, I don't know, like Forever 21. <laughs> and they should be working somewhere way better. Right. Yeah. But, they 
they have a very they're very smart and have a very like good degree for certain things but apparently it's flipped in this world right apparently (laughs) if you can sing and all that you got a job if you're an arcanist you're just traveling around trying to find a brewer's wife which this this gets at something else that i think is absurd and that is that so this kind of magic that abanthi is teaching quoth they call it sympathy in this book and it sounds incredibly useful even and there's even like a little bit of the chapter where they talk about how using sympathy you can move two things without pulleys or ropes or any complicated equipment if this existed every single construction crew would have somebody who could do this and yet it makes it seem like they have never encountered anybody who can do this they have never not many people know what it is or care to use it and if he can even if this kid is a genius he was able to teach this kid how to use this for a variety of different things within the span of like half a year so like an average kid an average person you could probably teach them in like 10 years time which luke guess how long it takes to get a phd like about 10 years of college education how many phds are there in the world a lot so many and when you think about the fact that if you're trying to just make it useful like trying to get a job with it you can specialize and often you would be i feel like this is taught like you're always in horrible situations if you're if you have a job and are an arcanist you're in ideal conditions essentially like if you're a construction worker or you're trying to raise a stone or something you can set it up where your link is very strong and you just raise the stone super easily right so i i would imagine that yeah i i didn't think about this before but this is a very good point there should be arcanists in colleges everywhere because it also seems like everyone can do it like you're not born with the ability everyone can do it assuming they're capable of splitting their mind or whatever it is (laughs) which apparently is possible in this i guess Um, but it puts all the crane operators out of work i'm i'm sick of these people coming in and stealing our jobs we're all sick of it luke Maybe that's why, maybe that's why sympathy construction workers and sympathy anything is not popular because everybody, everybody knows it exists. They're just shunned in society because they just ruin jobs. There's like regulations that say you can only hire a certain amount of sympathy workers or something like that. I think that's it. That's got to be it. Because otherwise, this is the most popular form of education. We haven't gotten there yet, but this is why he kills the king. (laughs) I'm going to say it now. (laughs) You know what? That's a great theory, Luke. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to endorse that one. That one doesn't get the Dan seal of approval, but we'll see when we get there. (laughs) We'll we'll monitor. I want to move on to when 
the cha- the actual the last scene that we cover mm-hmm. in this section, which is when the Chandrian come. Uh, so we should say they didn't explicitly say that these are the Chandrian or Chandrian, right? Right. But I assumed it was the Chandrian. Uh, well, and Luke th- is there now is, saying that they're the Chandrian. There's there's the signs like they say that there's signs of the Chandrian, right? It's right. Right. Blue flame, and then I think it's like metal. But they, you're right; they don't say. There's no explicit recognition. They don't call themselves the Chandrian or anything. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of signals that these are probably the Chandrian. I always think, like, I always pay a lot of attention to descriptions of people. Or, actually, that's not true. But in this case, when uh, I think his name is... Who, who's the Chandrian that, that threatens him? Oh, I don't remember. Sender. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When when Cinder kind of stands up or he does some weird backflippy move and gets really intimidating and then it describes him, which I think is common. I don't know if it does it. It describes other people as this way, I think, but or this is kind of often. It describes his hair, basically, and it's long and his face is framed by loose curls or something like that. And it makes it seem really intimidating I mean, I know the culture is different, but there's no way somebody is intimidating me me, when they have, like, long, flowing, curly hair that, like, frames their face perfectly. All right, Luke, I am going to show you a picture, and I want you to tell me if this is intimidating or not, because I'm about to prove you wrong so freaking quick. Oh, boy, this is... This is the picture. Oh, this is so the picture. Hold on. Sending me a picture over Skype is a great way to bring our audience into... Well, you're going to say what this this picture is. This audio medium. Everyone's going to be on board. All right, Luke. Tell me (laughs) this is not intimidating. Oh, boy. Are you not convinced? Have I not done it? Okay, Dan has sent me a picture of Aragorn and you're right this is this is this is intimidating loose curls framing the face i will say i will say this is i'm gonna say wavy hair i wouldn't describe this as loose curls framing the face okay (laughs) so the the alternative and the first thing that i pictured i'm gonna send you this is i swear this is the last picture okay Oh, so see this, this is what I'm picturing. So you need to describe it, Luke. Who is this actually? So I just sent Luke a picture of the, the berries and cream elf from those Skittles commercials that came out like in 2009. This is exactly what I'm picturing. It's a guy with bangs and long hair and it kind of curls at the end. It kind of curls into his neck. Right. So this is whenever I read somebody's face was framed by their hair. This guy is what I picture because he's got the frame around his face. Right. This is what I'm picturing too. And when they said basically that this cinder, this super intimidating guy has this going on, I I don't know. It's hard to take him seriously. Right. right. Exactly. Although I'm, I'm moving away from what he looks like. Mm-hmm. He has a pretty cool line when he says... I don't know why I thought this line was super cool, but I did. It's basically, 
you know, the context is Quoth has come up upon this group of people that has slaughtered his entire family and, you know, everyone. And he comes up and this guy like jumps up and says something to him. Or he's like, is this your parents or something like that? And then he goes, someone's parents have been singing the entirely wrong sort of songs. That is a dope line. I was at first, I think he's described having the loose curls first. And then he says that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I see you. I see you, Cinder. Yeah, it's uh, it's near Halloween. So we're kind of in the mindset to get a little frightened. This, this sent some shivers down my spine, Luke. Yeah, which I will say, if you're one of the Chandrian, I'm assuming they don't, they're not going, they're not constantly going out murdering people, right? Because otherwise there'd be way more details about them. Right. He's been prepping, he preps his lines, right? Don't you think? No question. And he, I'm going to say nailed it. Oh, he crushed it. I was scared. I am now scared of the, the Chandrian at this point. Right. We went from little Skittles elf to Shivers. And good line. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. I liked it. Maybe that was that prose people keep talking about. <laughs> I don't know if that's what, I don't know if that's what prose is. It's probably not. It... <laughs> God, we are not the right people to do this. I think we're, we're the perfect people to do this. Uh, yeah. There's, there's more about this Luke. Okay. So I think, I think Ben is kind of a dick. <laughs> I love these. Tell me tell me why. Ben is Abanthi, by the way, that Quoth calls him Ben. Ben's a dick because he has this sweet gig where he's working with this troop and he meets this child prodigy who he realizes is a genius. And he's training him how to use this magic. And then he has this moment where he realizes, oh, this is I got to be careful because some of this stuff is dangerous. But this kid is like excelling so quickly and has the potential to be just the best, the best, I don't know what alchemist or just like super good at this stuff. And Ben leaves him to go marry this, this brewer for, for this brewer's widow for what? Like you had such a good thing going and you met this woman and it presumably had been less than a week and you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to stay here. You know what? This is a great point. You put this kid's whole future in jeopardy because you have no guarantee that this kid is going to keep be able to keep going on. I mean, look what happened as soon as you left, which ties into the fact that I think Ben is a dick because Ben, when he's talking to Quoth's father and mother about the chandrian and he tells them there's a reason people you know if somebody says there's a demon in the woods you're still not going to go in the woods if everybody tells you there's a demon in the woods you might not believe it's a demon but you're going to know something dangerous is out there and he tells them that about this song it seems like he knows something about the song and about how "Mm, this song might bring demons to come hang out then they perform the song at his going away party he's there and he doesn't say a thing he's just like oh great song now i'm gonna stay away from you all even though something horribly tragic i think something horribly tragic has a high probability of happening to you i'm gonna i'm gonna bone down on this brewer's wife 
<laughs> okay, first of all, don't say bone down on this brewer's wife. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. I think another thing that I thought was kind of interesting was when they describe why he's leaving, quote says something along the lines of, you couldn't set a better trap for Ben than this. And I, it, are we serious? <laughs> like, how hot is this woman? <laughs> is what I'm wondering. <laughs> Basically, it's just this woman's husband died and she has a brewery. It's like, hmm, that's always been Ben's dream. <laughs> right. This is the first that we've heard about Ben's love of widows or beer. Right. Uh... He Yeah, he gives up training the next best or i think he says whatever quoth decides to do he's going to be essentially the best or one of the best of all time right he gives up being part of that to to brew some beer right i think this is the important distinction right is ben's like okay the setup if if ben had nothing else going on this this setup that he gets offered Sounds pretty good, right? I would take that. That's a good deal. But I wouldn't take that if I was training, if I was, I don't know, if I was training like Shakespeare and I knew that Shakespeare was just a genius and I had the option to keep being Shakespeare's mentor and ensure that Shakespeare grows up to change the world like I say he's going to, or have like a dope house yeah i'm gonna stay with the person that i think is gonna literally change the world like there's this is not a normal situation anymore right he's not just leaving i don't know he's not just finding a job when he's been sending out resumes or something like that right he's mentoring like bob dylan and decided you know what i got this sweet gig working at a coffee shop that i can just cruise for the rest of my life Bob, you're going to do great things. I'm going to go do that because it sounds kind of nice. It's a good point. It's a good point. Ben's an, ben is either a dick or an idiot. Yeah, for sure, actually. <laughs> All right, coming down a little hard on Ben. Yeah, that was a little hard on Ben because Ben seems very nice. I don't know. I'm tempted, I I'm tempted to, throw a, to throw a theory out on Ben. But I don't know if this one's... I don't know if this theory is going to be... This might be too rude to throw a theory out on Ben. Do, do you want to Do you want to tease it and maybe we'll cut it? <laughs> I mean, Ben is a part of the Chondrian. The Chondrian. Oh, interesting. So Ben knew all this stuff was going to happen. And he seemed like super chill. And he left right he, at the right moment. Ooh. He also knew that Quoth was going to survive. And he's like, this is all part of their plan. That's a that's a decent theory, actually. I don't because I mean we don't know the Chandrian's Chandrian's motives. No, at all. They, I mean, I doubt they're the good guys because they murder people. A lot of people, but a lot of people for saying their name essentially for singing. Yeah, how much of an overreaction is that? By the way, yeah, a good bit. <laughs> kind of a huge i mean if someone is like telling a story about our podcast i'm gonna be hyped right all right my other theory about ben 
is the opposite of my previous theory. The only evidence I have for this... Actually, no. The evidence is very similar for my previous theory, but the the thing that this one turns on... So, the, the turning point is whether or not Ben is good or bad. Because I'm going to assume that Ben is really smart. If Ben is bad, he's a part of the Chandrian and is working to build Quoth into something. If Ben is good... Ben played it off like he's going to leave the troop and hang out with this brewer's widow. But Ben is like still keeping an eye on Quoth. And the reason why the Chandrian leave him alone, because they don't kill Quoth, but they're about to. And they stop because someone's coming and they want to get away. And the reason why they leave is because Ben's been keeping an eye on Quoth and knows he's got to show up at the right moment. And so it was Ben that they're running away from. Ooh. <laughs> That's pretty generous towards Ben. So Ben's one of those two things. <laughs> officially. But officially one of those two. Yeah. 100%. And I will say, uh, we, neither of us look on like fan theories or anything. So I don't know if that's been covered on on the interwebs or not. Oh, yeah. I haven't Googled it at all. I basically came up with it just now. So Right. If so if you know, don't don't tell us. <laughs> uh but if you wanna add evidence to either of these theories, um you can just go ahead and use the hashtag uh Shonda Ben for oh, Ben is a Chandrian. Uh or you can use the hashtag um uh, what would the good one be? <laughs> you froze. I got the Shonda Ben. That was really good. Shonda Ben was good. Um, how about this? Choose, choose your own hashtag, but tweet it at us. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, uh, just like good Ben, good boy Ben, good Ben versus good Ben or bad bad Ben. Yeah, bad Ben. <laughs> hashtag good Ben. Hashtag bad Ben. Perfect. Perfect. Our Twitter is. Uh, at DC at a BC. So get at us. Get get at us. Dan, you got you got any more to talk about? You know, that's all I've got for today. We we didn't read quite as far as I think we had planned to, because this is a good natural stopping point. Um and that might actually be how we do the next one. Um but right now we're planning to get about halfway halfway through the book for the next episode. Right. We're planning to do four episodes. So roughly half of the book is where we should be stopping for the next one. You know, Luke, I think I, I think our listeners who are who are really into D and D, they just deserve a little bit of an explanation for who we are and what we do. Um, so here, I mean, on the podcast, we we're gonna be throwing just a bunch of hot takes, and we're basically just a couple dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs>